Ladies and gentlemen, citizens of the universe, fantasy footballers, Dynasty League dirtballs, NFL draft fans, and DFS degenerates worldwide, this is the Roster Watch Podcast, presented by RosterWatch.com. Roster Watch Nation, prepare for pop, flash, and sizzle. Prepare for knowledge bombs and cockamamie business. The Roster Watch crew is here to deliver the goods you can't find anywhere else. Here is your host, RosterWatch.com Editor-in-Chief, Alex Dunlap. Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the epic Roster Watch podcast brought to you by RosterWatch.com, episode 18 of the Roster Watch podcast brought to you by RosterWatch.com. As always, find all of our content at RosterWatch.com with a pro membership. Make sure to subscribe, review, and give a five-star rating to the podcast. If you like it, we're going to hit you with that early. We're going to hit you with it often during the podcast. My name is Alex Dunlap here as always with Byron Lambert. We have uh, NFL news and notes coming down the pipe. Uh, Fast and furious in the wake of the NFL draft. Next week, we have new tools going up at rosterwatch.com. The team big board tool has gone up. The team needs tool has been updated. The MFL 10 cheat sheet has a Friday update coming to version 1.5. I have a few questions to ask Byron about that. There's so much to get to. I don't even know where to start, Byron. How do we do it? Well, let's let's headline podcast 18 with the Mike uh, Mayock highlights from his press conference today as well as our wide receiver rankings for this year's NFL draft prospects. There's a couple of guys I'm unable at this point to get into my top 10 that I'm kind of concerned about. I want to hash that out with Alex right here on the podcast uh, today as we are within less than a week now of the 2017 NFL draft. It's time for us to get those wide receiver rankings nailed down. It's just time to write these things down in permanent ink. Or at least as permanent as it can be, because here's the thing: your boys at Roster Watch, we gotta be, we gotta be quick and shifty and 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 mobile and ready to react. Because here's the thing: a guy could be ranked as our number one wide receiver coming into the NFL draft, and his landing spot, maybe even more, certainly more so, even for the running backs. Uh, you know, the situation for one of these guys could end up being so much better than than anything else to where that would end up trumping talent. So, yeah, we're going to have to get it written down in permanent ink for where they are pre-draft and how we just rank them as talents. And that's going to have to happen ASAP because, as Byron said, time is running out. We said we weren't going to discuss it anymore. But with these latest developments... Are you starting to think that the Aaron Hernandez documentary is going to end up being up there with Making a Murderer and OJ Made in America? Which latest developments? The the suicide notes to the gay prison level. <laughs> That's yeah. I mean, there's been uh, there've been alleged reports that that he had left suicide notes for three different people, one being his daughter, one being his wife, and apparently one being a um uh, male lover that he had in prison. I'd like to see that. I don't know who's going to report that. It was reported by the, um, I think it was reported by the Daily Mail and picked up by some other people. I'd like to see multiple reports on that. It seems, like I said, it seems real swindly. I think that this is going to be, look, America gets enthralled by a, uh, by a high profile, you know, sports, um, you know, either whether it's in sports, whether it's in acting, like a high-profile murder case, people are always going to love it. It's kind of weird that they do. It seems real grim to me. But my wife, she watches this TV show or this TV channel called Investigation Discovery, and basically all it is is the most horrible. Like I walk in and I watch it for three minutes, and it's just the start of the show, and it's like some sad music, and you know what happens is all the kids get murdered, and like. The, the mom is one of the um, the mom is one of the people who is a uh, you know that they're suspecting that what's the person who they who could have 
a suspect. Like, yeah. the, like, like, like the mom's a suspect. The so and so's a suspect. And stick around for more. Find out who killed all the babies. And there's like, and you, and people watch this stuff. So I guarantee you there's going to be a market for an Aaron Hernandez story. I don't think. Uh, I mean, do you think it necessarily got any more interesting? Oh, it has all the elements. And first, with, trust with me. Bizarre trust me. Driver. I know all about. <laughs> Your wife's sick fetish because every time I, I don't ever want you knowing about my wife's every, sick fetishes. Every time I've ever come over here to dog sit, yeah. that TV is on murder the murder shows. channel. Murder channel. And I come in here to dog sit and I'm frightened half to death and then I can't leave and I'm hooked. And I watch three episodes <laughs> See, watch with it. the dogs on the couch in the dark. And I leave here with nightmares. Yeah, I mean I, I have nightmares about my dogs being on my couch. I hope that doesn't really happen. Yeah, and potentially about me knowing about your wife's sick fetishes. <laughs> I just think people are cockamamie on Twitter telling us that this is gonna this might be a good two hour uh show, maybe three hour show about Aaron Hernandez. I said, Are you kidding me? This is all the makings of an epic miniseries. We have we have the big contract the summer before. It's the New England Patriots. We have if Mike Loiko's chilling, chilling audio, audio. Yeah. from the press conferences in the summer. I've actually told Mike Loiko he needs to save that audio and be ready to sell that sell to whoever's going to make this documentary because it's not he's just still, any he, old clip. He still has, has it, right? He has it. It's he says exactly chilling. what he was doing. Oh, during the summer when he got the extension, which is exactly when these murders occurred. You've got double murder trials. You've got betrayal. betrayal. You have trap houses. You have gay prison lovers, suicide, family members all, all in the mix. He, he had his friend that he shot in the face in Florida who came back to testify him against him in and the last trial. A, that guy's got a fake eye. I mean, there's going to be a whole episode just on the night of the cover-up of the evidence, the smashing of this, the, the, the security cameras and the recorder. The disposal of the gun—that's one episode on itself. It is. The, the, is the, right. Another episode is going to be the Pathfinder. The, one of the first episodes is going to be of the Pathfinder, whatever that SUV was in, in Massachusetts, coming out, spraying bullets in the car, shooting the two people, but they're not going to show you who shot them. And then later, I know what's going to happen. They're going to come back in the miniseries. The police are going to be searching his uncle's uh, house, and you're going to have forgotten about that early scene, and then they're going to find the Pathfinder or whatever the SUV is in his garage, and the dots start to get connected. This is a miniseries. No, it is a miniseries, and you can even see... My question is this. Have you found out any more about my... Like, was Odin Lloyd somebody who might have been able to tell on him for the... Yes, so my deal is that he was on huge tilt to know, especially a guy who, you know, like I said, a guy who really thinks of himself as, or really gets his jollies, it seems like, from this idea that he's a big criminal. You know, this is a fragile this man. In, this guy's in, in the NFL. He has everything you could ever ask for, and he's still got this immense sense of pleasure, this immense sense of identity. He went out of his he, – he ruined his life because he wanted to – like there was something about being above the law and being criminal that he just yearned for, and he thought he was so good at it, and he thought he was like a mastermind at it, and he went out of his way to do these ridiculous things to 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 – Protect himself and to and and to do the things that a criminal would do, right? Like killing Odin Lloyd, and then you get to this. You, you get, get off to, for the thing that you, you are worried about him snitching. Worried about. But here's the, the one thing: thing I who see knows you? Said, who knows if he if would have gotten Lloyd, off had he stayed alive? He might have had testimony. Odin or evidence. Lloyd might have ratted. Yeah. So I don't. I don't give Aaron Hernandez an enormous amount credit of, for for being that smart. I have. I'm not saying I give him credit for being that smart. I'm saying that, like, I, I'm sure he was on enormous tilt that he got acquitted for that. And he'd gone to such, and he's in jail for trying to, trying to keep a guy from, from you know, as, like, as a result of that. He, Did, like, he's, he is in jail for killing somebody because he didn't want him to tell anybody about that. And he ends up getting acquitted for it anyway. Did you read that he had lathered his whole cell floor in soap before he committed suicide so he I guess so. He couldn't try to stand back up if he if he got started to get second thoughts. My idea that I had on on my Texas Longhorns podcast this week, the uh, the Deep Dig podcast. Not that I don't think there's any intersection of listeners who would like that podcast much if they like this one. But in case you like, you can search on iTunes. It's, it's, it's called the Deep Dig, and for half of it, I just answer you know questions from the Orange Bloods community. And in the wake of the Aaron Hernandez death people asked me 
um, it, would I, if I was in prison for life, would I kill myself? And my answer was pr- probably not, you know, but if I were going to kill myself in prison, I have the perfect way to do it. And it is you commit suicide by um, attempted breakout. You have them shoot you. Yeah, yeah. You just and you you have a plan to break out. You put together a good plan to break out, and your deal is you break out or you die trying. And it's gonna be a quicker death and easier. It's like, didn't he have to? Didn't he have to? What if they just shoot you in the legs or something, and uh, then come get you and put die, you back in die, jail? Die trying. Yeah, I don't. I mean, that's and then so here's the very thing. peculiar. Here, here's the thing. Well, it, it, doesn't it sound easier? It's all very peculiar. You're in jail trying to kill yourself. Doesn't it sound easier than having to strangle yourself on a towel or something like? Well, that? Well, here's the other thing. That brings up another question. I got a few questions now. You had a question. I've got a couple questions. <laughs> so I, you know, I think when you look at the old times when you got hung or hanged, or if you look at if you ever saw the Saddam Hussein hanging video brutal and primitive and savage the, when you got hanged like that it snaps your neck and that's how you die so i because was wondering you fall from like yeah, a tall in this gallop, situation they said it's this asphyxiation. asphyxiation so you got to just kind of let yourself suffocate there i guess that's what i'm saying it's the breakout method what, because here's the deal if you get if you get caught you get caught they're going to shoot you maybe they'll just get you in the back of the head it'll be quicker and easier than that even if they get you in the leg first and, and then on the other side of the coin, it's like you got a you got a backdoor shot at getting out if your cockamamie escape plan works. So either way, you're get like it's a it's a great outcome, you know. Suicide via breakout attempt. I got another question because now I'm confused. <laughs> Look, we live in Austin, Texas. It is one of the gayest cities in all of America. I would say it's the San Francisco of the South. Certainly, certainly of Texas. And what you're consistently informed of here is that you do not become gay. You are born gay. So I am confused about the gay prison lover situation. I think that that goes beyond um, even nature and nurture in the real world. So does that mean he was gay before or does that mean he turned gay or does it mean he was just desperate no it's not it's not about it's not i don't well desperate i don't think it's about desperate in the sense that i'm sure he felt desperate and desperation in in prison for a lot of different things i don't think it means desperate in the way that that you're talking about what i think it is is that in prison if you're in there for life and I look. I'm not a like. I'm not a sociologist. I'm not a psychologist. I haven't. I haven't studied prison life. I haven't. I haven't even really studied. You do have a degree in psychology, right? And I did. And I did write my APA thesis on gender dysmorphia. But it's different than than homosexuality. What I guess what I'm saying is, like the. I think that that's a product of the very specific situation that they're in, and we can point to evidence all over that prison homosexuality just exists and it exists between men who were you know technically straight before they even got in it's just something that's kind of there in prison culture i don't think you can really understand or kind of get your head around it till you're really in there having to having it to could do the be hard like time. these extenuating circumstances in nature where some animal morphs into like asexual to like reproduce its offspring and continue it could, to it just keep the species alive something under immense of, pressure we know hernandez was certainly under immense pressure before we get to the highlights of the Mike Mayock press conference, because there's some really good ones, Alex mentioned the deep dig. I did have a question for you. You said you've been working so hard. You've been buried for like the last week doing all your studies well, we and evaluations of this er- We of did the, the spring podcast game. earlier in the week, and I was just through the defense. And I thought the offense was going to be easy, but you got to like this week is hard. It's just a spring game. It's basically like you're having to do the charting for two whole teams. So, so here's my question. what What's the early returns on the – Tom Herman, UT Longhorns. What does this team look like? I think it's going to go the way of the quarterback. I think it'll go the way of the offensive line. I think the left tackle, Connor Williams, he has to stay healthy. That's going to be the next big stud coming out of Austin, the one who all the NFL scouts are going to be coming down here to see. He'll probably leave after his 2017 season coming up. And I just, I honestly think if that guy is to get hurt, Texas is in big trouble because the depth that they have behind him at tackle is completely unreasonable to imagine going out there and performing at a Big 12 level. Uh, Yikes. Well, 
it'll be interesting to watch. The bet. The good news is, is like unlike la- unlike the last few years, there is like good, you know, developmental depth. You know, at basically all the key positions. But the thing is, they're still in their developmental. Well, phase. What's the noticeable difference between the program and Charlie Strong's program as far as how things are run, or what you're seeing as far as install or? I mean, are there just tons of differences, or there's just a few things that really strike you as, man, this is way different this year? Well, do you know what you notice is, and anybody will notice this that watched, uh, you know, I guess not anybody, but, uh, you know, big-time college football fans, if you watched any of University of Houston last year, um, you know, I feel like that that offense, it looks a lot like the Ohio State offense. That's kind of what uh, Herman was, not what he came up in, but what he was molded in in the true play-calling sense and a true offensive coordinator sense. Uh, they've moved back to a ton of zone running. You know, like in that spring game, they ran over 75% of their concepts were inside zone concepts. That hasn't been the way that it's been for the last two years. It's, it's been a bunch of man, gower and, uh, man power and gap stuff, so a whole lot more zone. And then on defense, like if you watch them versus Lamar Jackson, the University of Houston versus Louisville, and um, – Lamar Jackson, how they got after that guy, how they bring the linebackers. This is a 3-4 defense, so that's another difference. It's it's not the 4-3 that you've been used to seeing basically since even before Charlie – I mean, since Matt Brown got here, he always had a 4-3 uh, defensive coordinators at Texas. Texas will be in a 3-4 this year, and it's interesting to see that the defensive linemen aren't necessarily being used as two-gapping defensive linemen as much as these guys are being used as like slanting, like you'll like some of the sometimes you'll even see a four technique slant all the way across the guard's face to get to like the A gap, and then just open that B gap up real wide, and the linebacker just shoots his ass through so quick. It's a big wide. There's just stuff like that, all kinds of weird games uh, that go on with the uh, defensive linemen and the linebackers to free guys up. It's I, I think it's just it, I think it'll be a more fun brand of football to watch defensively probably a little bit more effective defensively, but I think everybody knows that in the Big 12, I mean, it's going to have to be the offense. you got to have to score points in this league. you got to score 40, you gotta 40 score plus 40. points. It's just the way it is. And, and hey, if, if Byron and I had our had our brothers, Texas would move to the Big 10. And or, pound yeah, it 30 yes, times a game. Yes. <laughs> Boy, that's my favorite and brand be, of football. And, and be with schools that are a lot more like Texas. The Wisconsin's. The Michigan's. Like, I mean, I get Columbus isn't really a city like Austin, but Ohio State, you know, it's the kind, it's a big prolific, big prolific university. I could get on board with that. All right, let's get on board with the Mike Mayock highlights. You were tweeting them out today. The one that obviously caught my attention was the one about John Ross. You want to have the floor on this one? Yeah, just, and, and, and before I do, just a reminder here with Alex Dunlap and Byron Lambert, this is the Roster Watch podcast. Brought to you by rosterwatch.com. Go to rosterwatch, get a pro subscription. Guys, look, the number of comments that we have right now on our iTunes, it needs to come up. We're trying to sell time on this show to advertisers so we can make money. One of the important things that we want to do is accept money from the universe. And to accept money from the universe when it comes to us, we have to have good reviews on iTunes. We have to have good ratings on iTunes because we could point to that to subscribers and say, look how people engage with this content. So please, if you listen to this show, you don't pay us a penny for it. You know, you don't pay a penny for this content. Please just go give us a good rating and go give us a good review. You can do it quickly on iTunes. Byron showed me how just the other day. Um, all right, so now... Give us a maniacal review. Give us a maniacal one because Byron says he's maniacal and he gets his jolly... Like, he, he, he literally told me the other... He says he gets his jollies off reading those. Late at night. Late night jollies. Um, <laughs> okay. So, John Ross... I'm, here's what Mayock said in a nutshell. He said that... Mike Williams is the only wide receiver in this class that's locked into the first round. I'm with him on that. And that, well, I found that a little surprising that I'm beginning to hear this narrative start to creep out by people in the, people in the know recently. I'm hearing this narrative start to creep out about how, and it's the same wording almost, that Mike Williams is the only one locked into the first round. Meaning, I guess what that means is that Corey, he checked Corey, all the Corey, boxes. Corey Davis or John Ross could go in the first round. Yeah. What I'm saying is the only one that I'm sure is going in the first round is Mike Williams. He's checked every box. I think he's saying that it'd be fine if, if Corey Davis did. It'd be fine if John Ross did. Yeah. Um, but he said with John Ross, he said he has been moved down some teams' boards and has been flat taken off 
other teams. It's a Malcolm Mitchell. For, for I mean, we've said it. Concerns. It's a Malcolm Mitchell. Same exact injury circumstances coming in, and same same red flags for a handful of teams. It just it, it's worrisome that these guys have clearly they have access to information that's much better than ours. You know, as far as injury stuff, they have access to all the information from the combine. Uh, speaking of the combine, man, Ruben Foster. What the? How bad was that combine for him? Boy, that was you, a disaster. I mean, a diluted, I mean, I mean, diluted. What you did? You buy his excuse? What he? Uh, what he say? That he was sick. Oh, he's drinking a bunch of fluids, and he was hydrating, drinking a bunch of fluids, and then also a couple NFL teams came up to him and said that he looked light at two twenty eight or two twenty nine. So he was also trying to keep his weight up. So when he got on the scale that week. And he said he was trying to flush his body of any whatever is making him sick and hey, stay hydrated. Look, if I was sold on Reuben Foster and thought I could get him at pick like fourteen or fifteen, I'm I am hoping that he falls because of this, and I am accepting that excuse. Yeah, I don't think this change. If you love Reuben Foster, you love I'm, Reuben. I'm Foster. accepting that excuse. I think it's just fine as long as I love him. I'm wondering if he, you know, is he going to be a Rolando McLean? Boy, I hope not. He's too sick. He can't be. He's too he, like he's dirtier. He's nasty. He's dirtier, nasty, and he's built better for the position. McLean was just too tall. Hey, he's going to make a lot of money if he ends up being a, a Rolando McLean. But in, in, anyway, back to John Ross. I just I think that. I mean, anytime you shrink the pool of available teams. Yeah, no, it's just it's it's the Joe Mixon, and we can talk about that too. But I, I think that you know, actually, with the new Bob McGinn article about what the NFL, like, we'll talk about that right right after John Ross. But I, I I just if there are teams that are taking him off the board, like that's something that we need to really keep in mind. There's something there that they're a little bit more worried about. We've said with Corey Davis, what I think it is, I don't think teams are worried about his injuries. I just think teams are kind of like me. I don't have an athletic profile on you, at least not one on paper. Yeah, they don't have as much information. And he played versus bad competition. And they got to split the hair somehow. There's a lot of other players that are going to be ranked similarly to Corey Davis on their board. You got to split the hairs. You say, well, I know, I know more about players, you know, one through nine and – you know, Corey Davis, I don't know as much about. It's so. just, he just he did himself a real disservice by not being able to. I think John Ross is just going to be a steal for somebody then. Well, if he goes in the second he's gonna round, he's going to go to a ridiculous. good team. He's going to go to a good team in the late first round, I think, if that's what happens. If you look at Corey, if you look at Corey Davis, like we've talked about on this show, it just it's the uncertainty of it's the uncertainty of of you know it's just the worry about do you like what is it that I'm worried about here with Corey Davis. He's okay, just got to project he, a lot. He, he played at a, yes, he played at a small school. Uh, he, he's, you know, I don't have any, I haven't got to see him in a pro day. I haven't been able to see him work out up close. I'm having to go just by on this film against, you know, mainly against bad competition. I Like, there's nothing that I've been able to just stamp as the as the, something that I know through this whole process. And, dude, these football, these football guys... They're they're old school guys. They like to you know they like to get a list of things. They like to mark them off. They like it to be the same for everybody else. Whenever it's different for somebody, they're crotchety about it. They act like it's a pain in the ass. And the reason is it is a pain in the ass. These are about to be employees of your business. This shouldn't be this hard, right? And so I just think with all that uncertainty. Well, what's interesting is if when good players like John Ross and Corey Davis, if they do go in the second round. It actually can work to their advantage because they get the opportunity to get that second contract sooner. Oh yeah, because they won't have the. Opportunity I mean, there's to actually an analytics. The analytics department from the NFL, I think it was NFL Network, recently put out a study showing how a lot of the second year, you know, second rounders have actually made more money than first rounders over the same amount of time as they got that second contract quicker. And guys like Corey Davis and John Ross, they're going to be good. So they're gonna get, and they're probably gonna be in line for a good second contract. Interesting discussion. Here, here's the Power Five competition that Western Michigan faced in 2016. His senior season, um, Corey Davis faced Northwestern. He went seven for 70 yards versus Illinois. He went four for 97 yards versus Wisconsin. He went six for 73 yards and a touchdown. As a junior, he played versus. Uh, um, P5 competition in Michigan State and in Ohio State versus Michigan State, a monster. 10 for 154 and a touchdown. 
uh, not as good versus Ohio State, who we know have uh, very, very good corners and have had very good corners for the last last two to three years. Um, that was six. And safeties. Oh, yes. And safeties over the top of those corners. <laughs> that was only six for 42. As a sophomore in 2014, um, pretty, pretty low-key game versus Purdue, four for 46 and a touchdown. And then in 2013, his true freshman season, pretty big monster versus Northwestern, five for 112 and a touchdown. So against P5 competition, he's, he's been good. Yeah, he's, he's, he's showed up fairly well. So I, 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 don't, I think that you can probably look at those games and find a little bit of certainty. But, hey, I'm just, I'm just I'm, 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 I'm telling you, with uncertainty comes fear about these guys and people's careers are on the line making these decisions. They want all the information that they can. So I can understand how Corey Davis could be falling a little bit just due to those fears. I just can't see – I can't see Corey Davis or John Ross falling out of the first round. All this talk that they're going to fall out of the first I think is crazy. And what have we been saying? We heard that the Panthers would be interested in those two guys if they trade back. So there might be an understanding amongst the league and the GMs that those guys are later first-round picks. Uh I think that makes a little bit of sense. They asked Dave Gettleman today at his. Uh, I saw Josh Norris. Uh, tw- Josh Norris from Roto World retweeted uh, something about Dave Gettleman just being one of the most honest GMs that there is. And we, you know, if you listen to this podcast, you know that we love uh, some Dave Gettleman, the 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 original gangster. And that we said we've said he's been candid about his draft intentions since year one on the job when he told us he needed D tackle and he went out and reeled him off. First, second round, and Star and Latulale and Short, who just got the monster contract. You think that puts Somebody, Jonathan Jonathan Allen out of out of the running for the Panthers at eight? I think it does. Well, what, the big money to K one. Well, I'd have to look at K one's exact contract. I, I don't think John. I, I'm starting to think Jonathan Allen not in play there. Th- that, I really, I'm a Daniel Jeremiah. Mike Band's been saying it for a while. Jonathan we all Allen think it's fall. And I think it's a Christian McCaffrey to, to get him in if he stays at eight. Well, I've, I, I thought that that's a great idea too. But but anyway, uh, what, what what Gettleman was asked today is if he's fielded any calls from other GMs uh, who pick later in the draft looking to move up. And the reporter said he just sipped his Coke and put his Coke down and answered, I'm not going to answer that. It's <laughs> <That's> fantastic. <laughs> Which to me from a Gettleman means he's got – I think he's gotten some of those phone calls. That's pretty – I think people are fishing around – fishing around. I think that some – like like Byron just said, they, there could be a Jonathan Allen available there. There could be – they're going to be – I think maybe one of those two safeties, you know, the Malik Hooker. Well, did Jamal you see Adams. that they're talking about Malik Hooker now falling in the draft? I mean, there's so I'm many saying. smoke That's screens. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Awesome players are going to fall because – for one, they're going to fall. For two, quarterbacks are going to go much earlier than everybody thought. They sure gonna, are, aren't just, they? Gonna Is be, it going to come home to roost? Yes, we're just going to we're going to be looking at each other on draft night and say, why didn't we mock like Mitch Trubisky at least somewhere at pick you know four? Because they're going to tr- they're going to trade up with the Jaguars and somebody's going to get him, and then somebody's going to trade up after that and they're going to get Deshaun Watson something then. like it's going to it's going to go something like that. And like and our mocks are going to be screwed, and we're saying, why did we not see this coming? It happens every single year. So, yeah, I think they're going to be players who, who fall, who people aren't, aren't expecting to fall. Maybe one of those safeties, it seems like one of those guys is the type, maybe even a Fournette. Like one of those guys who some team is going to have on their board as the beastliest of the beastly, and they say, look, we have him ranked as the number two player in the entire draft. He's falling now to number eight or number nine. It's time to move up and get this guy. So I, I think that, you know, Gettleman's in a prime spot for when that kind of thing might you know, that kind of thing might begin occurring. Has Ohio State moved into a, a echelon of its own? I mean, above the Alabamas, no. above the old USC's, as far as cranking. I feel like this is old. This is, what, early 2000s Miami Hurricane stuff that's going on from Ohio State right that's now. great. These guys are sending boatloads of NFL players high, high draft picks the so last year. So is Alabama. Years. Not like this. From every position, not like this. Yeah, I mean, maybe not, but I just think that I, I just think that you know, that I just I, I put them in that same rarefied air as in Alabama. Oh boy, I think they're right now. I think Ohio State is cranking out NFL elite gonna, NFL player p- prospects at a level that I only remember if from, you're the early, look at from, from the from only, Miami Hurricanes. If you're only going to look at that from like a last two years perspective, then you'd say that you've ne- we've never seen anything like it. Well, I just remember the Shockey, the Winslow, the Bryant McKinney, the Portis McGahee. 
Who else was Frank that? Gore. I mean, Sean, Sean Taylor. Taylor. I mean, we're missing everybody. We're missing a bunch of people. We're, 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 we're literally missing everybody. Shocky. Just everybody. <laughs> There's a ton of them. You can't list everybody from, I'm from the U. I'm feeling like this is turning into that. It could be, but State. you could say that same thing about Alabama from over the course of a you know just a, a couple years. I I think we've got have we gotten. I don't. I feel like it's been lackluster on the offensive side of the ball. From I guess we got Julio Jones years ago. Got a Derrick Henry. I don't know. All right. What else did Mayock have to say today? Uh, Anything that caught your attention? I you know I'm I just, you know, just something on the quarterbacks. He talked about. Um, he talked to me. He didn't say anything about why he moved Deshaun Kaiser down. He just said that. Speaking of Deshaun Kaiser, what a dude. he says he's a Tom Brady mind wrapped in a Cam Newton body. I just can't believe him. It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard that that idiot would say that. And I, I think they said he ran four eight six or something. I'm like that's not even that fast. Here's here is my question: What is it about? What is it about Deshaun Kaiser? That makes him think any of this stuff. That makes him think any of this. Like, he says that he can be the greatest quarterback to ever play in the NFL. And what makes him think it? I guess that's just what is you're it, supposed is to say. Is it one? Okay. No, you're not supposed to say this stuff about when I come in there, I throw my notes at my coach. You know, nobody works harder than me. Mahomes might be able to throw it 80 yards, but I can throw it 72 yards, and I throw an out route better, all this stuff. And I'm just saying he thinks he's a mix of Tom Brady's brain and Cam Newton's body. And I'm just wondering what makes it like, is it the horrible mechanics? Is it his laughable completion percentage? His completion percentage was 58% in college. Do you know what Geno Smith's was? 71%. I and mean, that doesn't change that much typically. The no, guys who are low completion percentage guys in college is just abysmal. He 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 had an abysmal on-field showing at the combine. His college coach doesn't think he's ready to play at the NFL level and takes every single opportunity that he can to tell everybody about it. Uh, scouts are getting LinkedIn, leaked information from Notre Dame that they think that he has issues with his desire. I mean. He's self-admittedly in that article. He says he's not a visible leader. He he's he says he's too introverted week in week out in his preparation. And all that preparation, by the way, leading to a miserable, horrible four and eight season last season for Notre Dame that got Brian Kelly on the hot seat. What exactly are we pointing to if 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 we're Deshaun Kaiser to say that we can be the that we? I mean, a Tom Brady brain, Cam Newton's body the dumbest thing i've ever heard yeah it's, it's ridiculous it's totally what and so speaking of guys that might not have the motivation it sounded like mayock also put the uh cherry on top of the miles garrett situation at number one. Oh, he just said that he is i mean i forgot the quote i tweeted it out he said that he is he said that he's he's says that he's vaughn miller with his bend his his ability to uh, get off the edge and um, and get to the and get to the quarterback. Except he's tw- he's twenty pounds heavier and and he's a sure pro bowler. He says you got to take him. I think so too. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, it's a premium position. You got to get him. What's weird is his, his you know really Miles Garrett's statistics in college weren't what you would think they would be. And I hate you don't want a stat scout. But it's a little bit concerning. He didn't have more production than he did at A and M. I think he had decent enough production. It was and decent. If you, and if you look at the, if you, I mean, I, I know we think co- pro football focus is cockamamie half the time. But if you like, I think things like quarterback hits and pressures and stuff like that are pretty easy to. Well, chart. there was a cockamamie caller on moving the change yesterday, calling into Kerwin and Jim Miller, and his whole rant. And Kerwin really gave <laughs> shout him a, out. Sh- shout out to our boys, Ker- Pat Kerwin and Jim Miller. Kerwin really gave him a pat on the back too for doing his homework. He had a whole spiel four minutes long on how Bud Dupree outperformed Alvin Dupree. Yeah. Bud Dupree for uh, the Steelers. Right. Outperformed miles Garrett measured similarly height, weight, everything. And then outperformed him across the board in every athletic measurement and had similar college production, 
but he was like the 23rd pick of the first round. It was a very, very interesting conversation. And Dupree really hasn't been that productive yet in the NFL. He's, he, he came on this year. Yeah, I, I thought it was interesting that Mayock's, Mayock was basically saying surefire pro bowler. We've, we've covered this draft now professionally. This is our sixth year. I don't think I've ever heard Mayock say something like that. I think, I, I think Mayock loves Miles Garrett. He must. I want to know the answer to the question. I mean, would he take him? Over does he have David him rated higher Clowney? over Clowney? Does he have him rated higher than well, Bosa? Here's the thing. I should have just been. I should have just pushed the button to ask a question. But Bosa, what a real beast, man! Speaking of Ohio State, <laughs> I mean, all right. I think that's. Let's put a wrap on May, Mike Mayock before we get to. Our uh, draft rankings for the wide receivers. Let's remind everybody to give this podcast a five-star rating and a good review in iTunes. It's the one way that we can know that you guys are listening. It's the one way that we can know that you guys enjoy this. We don't see any, like, there's no interaction here. There's no, like, calling in. There's nobody, like, live tweeting us during the podcast. There's no chat room. Like, the one way that we can know that you like this show, the one way that you can engage with us is through those comments. Uh, Leave us a good rating give us a good review it can help us in so many ways we wouldn't harp on it so much if it didn't yeah i mean i i check them like i check my stat tracker well here's the thing i want it for like i want it for business reasons and for once byron's the one who has the cockamamie uh backwards reasons for wanting it he just wants to lay in bed late at night and just look and just scroll through those reviews nice well, and slow it's like stat and just, tracker and just, and just, and just it's just of, like stat tracker hope of anticipation of a month there's, when there's no fantasy season <laughs> that's the way i get my action it's like your daughter with her stars and her potty training they yeah. we get real real maniacal do you know what she started doing now with her potty training? Mm. It's like every time she goes now, she thinks that it's a surprise. She gets a surprise every time. And so now she tries to go, and then she'll want to she'll get her surprise, and then she'll want to go right back in. And fake and get, out. And get another surprise. Oh, she's smart. And another surprise. And call this. And so she's bait, she would give her these little surprises that she wants called Puppy in My Pocket. And it's these little kennel crates and stuff and you just open it up and it's a surprise every time because it's a new little plastic puppy okay it's probably cost literally 10 cents to make over in china but each one's costing me 4.99 oh my god to the potty. and so it's like it's it's now i'm wondering how long it's going to be before every time she goes she gets because she's getting real good at it but i'm wondering how long before maybe some of our listeners can get us back on twitter let us know or maybe leave a review with you know advice for me how long until i say look this is too many a puppy in my pockets. And if that happens, is there any way that I run the chance of pissing her off to where she could revert on me? Start going in her pants. I'm starting to get the idea who the real mastermind is around here. I think she's starting to get that idea. Um, news and notes. A few things I wanted to get to uh, that I just saw come across. Uh, Todd McShay floating that Josh Dobbs may be entering the round one picture for quarterbacks. Coming home to roost for roster watch I mean, nation. I mean, I don't buy that at this time of year, but and, it and, is and, still. And, and we never called for a round one. No, slot. but it is still coming home to roost. That's something. What everybody is sleeping on Dobbs. Josh Dobbs here. He's better than Davis Webb. And we like Davis Webb. Those are a couple of good quarterbacks that. Uh, teams are probably going to get value on. But, yeah, mainly that just that really caught my attention because nobody's talked about that. I saw Bucky Brooks saying uh, he could see Dobbs to the Steelers as a backup for a couple years. And I, I said, you know what, I kind of like that. I like I, it too. I, I kind of like that one. Uh, we talked last week about, or on the last podcast, about the uh, Gillisley to the Patriots. And we talked about Brandon Cooks. You know, we've talked about him at length over the last few podcasts. Um, all the information we were gathering uh, on his move uh, to New England uh, from our insiders in New England as as well as those in New Orleans. And one thing that uh, struck me we didn't really talk about, maybe it's just implied, but part of the reason that those two signings are so interesting is that you have to remember the Patriots practice in training camp every year against the Saints. So Bill Belichick... Are they doing that again? I don't know, but Bill Belichick has been in practice... He's always done a Greenbrier or something. Brandon yeah. Cooks. That's true. This is a guy he's seen... It's not just he loves him from watching tape. He's seen this guy on the field. He's practiced with him. He's noticed something. I think that adds... He's had a little something. Adds a little more to gravity guy. to the situation. You know, and then you fast forward to Mike Gillisley. Do not forget. 
Belichick's had to play him twice a year. It's the Charles. It's like the Charles. You know how how Belichick's always coveted Charles, Charles Clay. Charles Clay. He had to go against him all the time. It was you know every, Wes Welker. Yeah, right from yeah. the Dolphins. And he, and and Mike Loico, do you know what? Do you know what he'll he'll still tell you that Belichick will one day end up getting Charles Clay just on a lot cheaper contract. He he Loico thinks that one day Charles Clay will still still end up a Patriot. Yeah, these are these are players that Belichick loves and has gotten up close and personal with. I just think that no, that's a good point. They do says all, a lot. I, you at least know that during Brandon Cooks' time coming up, that they have had at least two training camps or at least a week of training camp or something with the Patriots. I'm getting higher and higher on Brandon Cooks. What I think is going to happen is that well, here's the thing: that, are you are you really getting any high, higher and higher? Do you or do you not like him more than Alshon Jeffrey? Oh, I'm not like, sure see, that I do. It's like, I think we're as high Maybe as we can be. Maybe not on MFL 10s, but just, I mean, I really think at this point, it's, you know, the Patriots offense morphs every week. Do you like but all I those think guys? Brandon Cooks is going to get his, uh, some amount of deep shots every single week. Do you like all those guys, including Keenan Allen, better than Amari Cooper? I I, ha- I would have Amari Cooper and Keenan Allen right there next to each other. And then Alshon and Brandon Cooks. I like Cooks and Alshon more. Oh, then both those guys. Oh, yeah. Really? Alshon Jeffrey with Carson Wentz. I love that. Okay. I will make a note here. Just while, while I'm in the MFL 10 cheat sheet, I know that's not what we're on right now, but just let me ask you a couple quick things. Just two quick things. And there were guys I asked about last time, but I need a little bit more. Um, I need a little bit more detail. So Paul Perkins do you like Paul Perkins more than Kenneth Dixon and Bilal Powell? Yes. Do you like him more than Amir Abdullah? Yes. Do you like him more than Eddie Lacy and Deion Lewis? More than Lewis for sure. Right now he has a clearer, clearer path to, I don't know, and not more than Lacy. It's t- very close with Lacy. Okay, and then with Jonathan Stewart, do you see him sort of just right by Paul Perkins or above Paul Perkins? Probably above Paul Perkins. Above Eddie Lacy? Yeah. Above Theo Riddick? And PPR, that's, that one's going to be close. Yeah, I'd put Jay Stu above Theo Riddick. Above CJ Procise? Mm, no. I like CJ Procise. He's going to get his action this year. In what PPR, you- that's, 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 to me, that's, that's a... Close call. Hey, one more thing before we get on to wide receiver rankings. I know we're probably going to have to keep it a little bit short to fit this thing in. But well, what do we? Is there? Should we let this one run long? We like to keep them under an hour or so for roster watch nation, but it, it'll it, it'll be fine. Um, what do you think about Bob McGinn's article about Joe Mixon? If you just look at the sampling of teams, we always talk about reduced opportunity, right? And if he Bob McGinn says there are 11 teams that he asked. Six of them have Joe Mixon off of their board. And I guess that I guess that there are others where they said that the owner would have to have some kind of say or whatever. Different kind of takes on Joe Mixon ranging from pretty just kind of lukewarm to no, we're kind of okay with him for five of the five of those teams. But six, he's off the board. Okay, do you think that that's a oh my god, dude, you are a you're a fly whisperer to catch that thing in your hand. Nice work. Um, do you think that that means that do you think that that sam- that that small sample of 11 t- I mean that sample of about the third of the teams of the NFL is illustrative of the rest of the league? Do you think that maybe between I don't know 40 to 60% of the teams could have Joe Mixon off their board or does that seem way too high? I mean, he sampled a third of the league. I think it's a reasonable percentage to extrapolate out. I think at this point, if you're conservative, you're saying if you're Mixon's agent, you're thinking, okay, we've probably got 10 teams in the mix, maybe 15. If you're conservative. Yeah. Which to me, looking at the MFL 10 cheat sheet, here's the thing. If if there were all 32 teams there and he got drafted by one of them in the second round, I'm almost sure that he would come in there and he would have the opportunity to play automatically. It's just with the pool of candidates reduced a little bit like that, it's like they're going to be probably only, you know, one-third of as many good spots from default to one-third of as many good opportunities. For every opportunity that there is out there right now where there's weakness at the running back position, there's probably another opportunity where there's weakness at the running back position where he's already off the board. So, I mean, do you still like Joe Mixon more than Rob Kelly? 
Yeah. Okay. All right. I just can't get excited. I mean, I don't know. That's close. A conservative player would take Rob Kelly and get his points. I just, it's hard for me to buy. I, I like the, the upside of mix in there. Okay. Those are my thoughts for the MFL 10 cheat sheet, Roster Watch Nation. Uh, I'm going to get the updates in to the version 1.5 up into your pro download section at some point. To, or I'm going to get over to our marketing and webmaster guy at some point on Friday. Hopefully, it'll be up Friday night and or Saturday morning for your new MFL 10s. Probably the last round of MFL 10s before uh, the NFL draft. And one other thing, uh, for just on an MFL 10 tip that I realized last year that I didn't do that I just kicked myself over. If you're on the clock on draft day, stay on the clock. Wait, you know, especially on Friday and especially on Saturday because you're going to get to be on the clock for eight hours. If you can manage it to where you can watch the draft and you're on the clock the whole time, there are going to be players that move up in ADP so much just based on the situations that they go to that you're going to be able to easily identify. If you make a pick during the draft and one of those big picks happens to where like you just want to make sure if something happens during that, something's going to happen during that draft and you want to be able to be the first one to pounce on it. And as many MFL tens as you're in. So if you, I know it's always good to auto pick your stuff in advance. It's always good. To not many people wait, but on draft day coming into the draft, if you're lucky enough to, 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 to have it be you make everybody wait, stay on the clock. Well, let's boil the MFL 10 down just a bit. So the listeners have something tangible to go home with today. Yeah. Who are we diluting? Who are we currently diluting our MFL 10 stock in? Carlos Hyde. By diluting, I mean we've been using the tool for what a month now. We've at this point, many of us have drafted a whole bunch of MFL 10 teams. So it's like a big portfolio, and you're just, you know, like almost like DFS well, underweight, overweight kind of thing. Big picture, right? Yeah, I mean, got, I mean, the guys we're going to be overweight on, we're going to be we're going to be a little bit overweight on Le'Veon Bell because we have him as. You know, sometimes he falls to pick three, and we have him as the number one guy that you should take in this sort of PPR setup. Um, I think we're going to be, you know, probably a little bit underweight on Odell Beckham. We're going to be, you know, we're going to be overweight on Mike Evans. But when I say diluting, who who are we maybe, who are we trying to back down the percentage in our overall portfolio right now? Guys, maybe we were taking with more frequency earlier, and now Carlos Hyde, Sammy Watkins, um, Dalvin Cook. Deion Lewis, Eddie Lacy, Josh Doxson. Guys who were kind of getting up a little bit would be like the you know Deontay Foreman, Marshawn Lynch, Paul Perkins. People saying scouts, anonymous scouts saying Deontay Foreman is a backup running back in the NFL. Well, they're donks. And I believe they're being disingenuous. They're just being stupid. They, Truly. They, they're saying they're saying like we don't know. I, I don't know much. I'm just gonna say something a little bit negative. You know, the guy's been a little bit of a pain in the ass. We couldn't get his combine measurables. These guys are crotchety, like I said. You and they wouldn't be crotchety if they didn't any, complain about those yeah. things. Yeah. What? What did you see the blurb about Cyrus Quanjo before we move on? It's too funny not to mention. He got popped for something. Naked. Naked. Climbing over an electrified fence. Why? And then shouting at officers to shoot him. <laughs> Why? Nobody knows. Has he made a comment? I know he, was, he, been he detained? was detained for some handful of hours for a mental evaluation and then released. Naked, climbing an electric fence, telling officers to shoot him? When he was asking to be shot, was he being electrocuted? I don't believe so. I think he'd already climbed the fence. He'd already he'd already been on the other side of the fence. I guess at that point he was off of the fence. Sounds like a woolly night for for. Under uh, what kind of circumstances can that even occur? Sounds like a woolly night for Cyrus Quanjo. Sure, sure as heck does. Go to rosterwatch.com, get a pro membership. You'll be able to find all of the dynasty rookie spotlights of all the players that we are going to be discussing right now as we talk over our wide receiver rankings. A pro membership is less than a cheap cup of coffee, and it keeps us in business. If you like our content, if you appreciate what we do, of course, always go and give the podcast a five-star rating and review. But even more importantly, go get a pro membership at rosterwatch.com. Be a true part of Roster Watch Nation. All right, let's get into it. Um, I've sorted our current 2017 NFL draft rankings for the wide receivers. 
This is a composite of the Roster Watch staff rankings. Uh, currently, most of them until the trash man. Well, we're going to need the trash man to break some ties here, but let's just <laughs> go through our top 10 uh, quickly. Number one is John Ross. What do we think about that with the new injury stuff? Do I'm you fine care? with it. I don't care. I love John Ross. He's going to go nuclear. I love John Ross too, but I, I mean, for me, I'm a I'm a Mayock. If I I love all three of these guys, it's really really hard to split the hairs. If you want to ask me who the safest bet of all of them is, it, to me, it's Mike Williams. I just think when I, at the end of the day, when I look at all the comps I have for Mike Williams, he's shaping up to be a pretty good player. But it's roster watch, and we like to get sick about our own work. And John Ross gets us feeling very filthy, disgusting, and maniacal. So he's going to be the number one as it stands. We have a tie right now for Corey Davis and Mike Williams at two and three. We're going to need Mike Band and the Trash Man to, to review their rankings in order to help split that tie. You know, look, and it's the same thing we said with running backs on a couple podcasts ago. Here's what's going to happen. You know, we told you in running backs, you're going to have some running back you love ranked is like your number seven running back in the draft and people are going to look at that and say oh you hate that guy or why do you have him ranked so low and what we're trying to say is that's just the dynamic of this of this draft at these skill positions there's a lot of guys you really really want to you like but there's so many of them that by default somebody's going to get what appears to be a low ranking on paper it looks worse on paper than it really is right now at number four we have zay jones right here from austin texas Nephew of former Bengals quarterback Jeff Blake and son of former He's Cowboys Blake's nephew. Yo, sure is. Outperforming Jay Blake's son at the wide receiver position. Emory. Emory. And obviously Robert Jones, former Super Bowl linebacker for the Cowboys in the 90s. That's his son right here from Austin, Texas. Zay Jones. Get a, uh, get a star on Zay's helmet. Put him in the slot. At number five, we have Cooper Cup. From Eastern Washington, blew our socks off at the combine or at the uh, Senior Bowl. Actually, blew our socks off at the combine with his on-field performance scores for his route running. Production monster in college. Uh, we were told by those on the Senior Bowl internal scouting staff who scout a thousand players every year in order to narrow it down to the hundred and ten players that are actually make it to Mobile to play in the game and participate in the week of practice, telling us that Cooper Cup, the best wide receiver that they've scouted to bring to the Senior Bowl in the last five years. And number six, we have Juju Smith-Schuster out of USC. This is one of the guys that I'm just having. I like him. I want to like him. I, for some reason, cannot get him inside my top ten Right now, Alex, can you tell me why maybe I'm feeling like that about Smith-Schuster? I don't know why you're feeling about it. I love I love Juju Smith-Schuster. He's in, he's my number six. He's a young guy. He's not going to turn 21 until his NFL rookie season's already almost over. I, I love him. He just has great feet off the tool. He's got just great tools. He has he's nifty got, feet. He's got great feet off the line of scrimmage. Does have nifty feet. He just he has a lot of different release techniques. He's going to be able to get that cover two release all the time. He can, he can get releases versus all kinds of coverages, all kinds of uh, alignments. I know that well, probably what you noticed out of him is probably not going to kill you with his long speed. But, I, I mean, mean, still, like he's dude, he's fearless over the middle. I think that he's he's an, he's he's a physical downfield blocker. He's got he's got he's got big hands. I don't think he has. I don't think any of these guys have as soft a hands as the DeAndre Hopkins is, the Odell Beckham's, even the Sammy Watkins is. But he has he has strong he has good strong hands, knack for the big play. I think that you know he could show a little bit more physicality at the catch point. But there's a lot of ways he could beat you with the football in his hands. He like his suddenness pre-catch in and out of routes is to me as good as Carlos Henderson's suddenness after catch. And uh, Carlos Henderson and uh, Juju Smith-Schuster are two players that I see, um, you know, very close to one another in some ways, sort of tied at the hip. In the same way, I see two players like Travis Rudolph and Isaiah Ford who have you know very similar skill sets. In the end, my um, my pro comparison for Juju Smith-Schuster, I believe, was Stevie Johnson, just because I think that's the kind of player that he is. I think that's the kind of separation that he can create underneath, fitting into zone shells, just doing those things to get open uh, with with the uh, with the ability to separate, if if not separate vertically, just to be able to separate 
intermediately and off the line of scrimmage. He, he can get open and he can find windows for good quarterbacks to throw into. Well, surprisingly, I actually have Carlos Henderson ranked even higher than you do. Yeah, I mean, as far as, as Smith-Schuster, I see a guy who's got great footwork. He's slippery. He's sneaky. His production is really, really good. Like Alex said, he blocks down the field. There is a lot to like about the guy. I just have a hard time getting excited about his athleticism. To me, he's definitely a body catcher on, in, in a lot of circumstances. You know, ha if you had me put on the tape of him and next to uh, his USC tape next to Nelson Aguilar's USC tape, I tell you, we're not even talking about anybody in the, in, in the same stratosphere here. And let me tell you, I wouldn't have been the only person to say that. Aguilar was a first-round pick. There were NFL personnel departments that loved him as well, but it just goes to show, you know, what I know and how far that athleticism really does take you. And so I'm definitely worried about my ranking here. It seems like Smith Schuster could be that sneaky type of receiver that you don't pay attention to that comes back to hurt you later uh, when he's an effective player in the NFL. Have to try to continue. It looks to like get our composite rankings one. so far have Juju Smith Schuster and Carlos Henderson tied. So that's probably about right. I thought about Chris Chambers when I watched Carlos Henderson. Do you remember Chris Chambers yeah, from the Miami Dolphins? Oh, yeah, yeah. Chris Played Chambers. longer and faster and bigger than he really was. I mean, and uh, Carlos Henderson, boy, that, you talk about good feet. I mean, you've been telling me about him. You've been beating that drum for a yeah. while. I mean, what's the, is, to me, is the only concern with him just the level of competition? I, just I mean, think, otherwise, he's... I, I just think that I have this wrong because what I need to do, I, I can already tell you what I need to do with my rankings. I need to do this. And this might move actually, this can move Carlos Henderson ahead in our composite rankings ahead of Juju. Yeah, I mean, Carlos Henderson is an unbelievable freak. Um, whenever I looked at him, I did a bunch of work on him as, as, as well. And I think the comparison I came to for him was... Emmanuel Sanders meets Michael Emmanuel Crabtree. Emmanuel Sanders meets a Michael Crabtree. I like it. I can is, see that. Which is, you know, the Emmanuel Sanders is the is the aftercatch stuff, but the his body kind of looks like a Crabtree, which is which reminds me of a Chris Chambers. Chris Chambers was a little bit of a smaller looking Crabtree. Runs the same. They got that really really noticeable uh, run, the stride, the the arm movement with it, the way their feet are kind of angled, and the way that they their feet touch the ground when they run. Yeah, so and I think that also he's he's fast too, four four six. Yeah, he is fast. I think he's got a little even a little bit of Chris Chris Givens in him. He is just here's the thing. I know he comes from Louisiana Tech, and it's not like known as a super great school, but here's that like that's a that's a. That's a Division One P5 school, and, and like that's a good football program with a good coaching staff. And this kid is a polished wide receiver. He has he he has he has electric skills to him. And so what what, what I'm saying is he's polished, and he has electric skills to him. He just he, he I mean he's got good feel. He's a natural. He's got great production. I mean there's I think that honestly we might like the more I talk about Carlos Henderson, the more I, I realize that. You know, currently our number six ranked uh, rookie wide receiver prospect as we head into the 2017 yeah, NFL because, draft. Because I just basically I had to move him up above Curtis Samuel for my for for mine. Just after just kind of refreshing my memory on Carlos Henderson. I mean, he's a guy who I said at the very beginning. I said that he's he's going to be a player who's going to rise through the draft process as more analysts catch catch wind of his tape. So I mean, it's like he like. Even before you know his 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 landing spot, I think that he's going to be relevant in even in redraft. Curtis Samuel, the other player I'm worried about being a little bit too low on here. We'll get to him in a second. So uh, so far, John Ross, our number one uh, rookie wide receiver in this year's NFL draft. Corey Davis and Mike Williams, we have a tie at two. We're going to need Mike Band and the Trash Man to break that. Zay Jones at four, Cooper Cup at five, Carlos Henderson at six. Juju uh, Smith-Schuster at seven with some potential to rise there. And right now at eight, out of LSU, I was just at his pro day, the enigmatic Malachi Dupree. Who marches to the beat of his own drum. Yeah, he's a little bit of a trash man. <laughs> Why? Does he wear nice clothes? Yeah, he has real good style, and he wears, you know, like thick rim glasses and has a cool haircut. Do you think he gets as many chicks as trash man? Probably more. I think uh, if, if I had to guess... I would certainly say probably more, but the trash That's man... That's a hard feat to pull off, though. Trash man gets more chicks than you would think. Hot I, ones, too. I, I know that you know that. 
Uh, Malachi Dupree, he's a guy who I saw, I see him as a Tyrell Williams. Was, was my Skinnier. combination I've seen him. him both live. Six, two and a half, 196. Seen them both live in the yeah. last 12 months. But both have that real, both have that real obvious long, long speed. Both are terrific athletes. Uh, I know only the four, five, two, uh, 40 yard dash at the combine, but I think he plays. He ran faster four than something that. at pro day. He's just, I mean, he, he just, he just, I mean, he just extends to the football. He makes consistent hand catches. Oh, and, and what anybody in, in Baton Rouge will tell you is that if you've watched all of Dupree's um, college career, all his snaps, all his plays, everything in the red zone, they say he's an absolute artist in the red zone, in possession situations, high-pointing the it's football. That's what he does. It's what he I mean, does. There's nothing so, like it. Yeah, well, I mean, they, they haven't watched that much Mike Williams. <laughs> but I think that – I think that – he, he reminds me of Tyrell because you know, like, like you know, you do notice that, like that length, the, the way that he can extend the arms, also the length of his legs. He's really high cut, like a Devonte Parker, you know, or you, like even an AJ Green. And I just think that you know, like we we're just talking about, like the, that that length, it it lends to his ability to go up and get it in the red zone. You know, it, you combine that with above average speed, you know, the, the ability to separate. He has, he's got really good, he's got really good leaping ability. If I remember correctly, he had a really good broad jump. So he's a guy who you can throw it off, uh, kind of, you know, throw it out into the, you know, throw it off to the pylon and hope he can go up for it. So all in all, I just thought fantastic prospect. When I did my work on him, I said that barring any unforeseen disaster, he should be taken no later than day two. I don't. I don't think he's. I, I and I don't think that's changed. Do you think he's going to slip past the third round? Mm, I could see him being third or fourth round wide receiver. A few questions about Dupree center around whether he's really a football guy or not. Uh, currently ranked our number eight wide receiver prospect in the 2017 NFL draft. Next on uh, the docket is one of the trash man's most disgusting and original sons of this year's draft season and NFL offseason. That is Aggie wide receiver, former Aggie wide receiver Josh Reynolds, currently sitting as the, our number nine rated uh, rookie wide receiver prospect in this year's draft. That number is sure to change once the trash man finally gets He's gonna get- his filthy, disgusting rankings in into this spreadsheet. Yeah, well, hopefully Band will override them. <laughs> I don't want to get him over Malachi, but I do. Here's the thing: I really like Josh Reynolds. I've always said I think he's a I think he's a Mike Evans light. I think he's a Mike Evans light. Drops a few too many footballs, you know, but and, Mike Evans has had problems with drops. And, well, at the NFL level. At the NFL level. We've never seen something so natural just yeah. in, a, in, a, in an open workout. No, no. But, yeah, but with the with – the, and do you know what, man? Like, when you're going to throw – when you're going to give a guy 18 targets a week, he's going to have more drops than the average dude, right? Next up to round this out, the top 10 – uh, rookie wide receivers it that looks we like, have ranked here at rosterwatch.com. Like, it looks like we have two guys that are currently tied for 10th. No, Josh Reynolds at 9, and then the next guy at 10. Yeah, is, and we no, have a huge difference here. There are, but there are two guys tied for 10. I don't. I see one. Have you resorted this? I got D.D. Westbrook at 10. Yeah, but he has the as same. As our 9.5. Oh, it's a 9.5. Yeah. And those that's a guy that you and I are actually worlds apart. Talk about that. I just, you, I you've just, covered. Yeah. You cover the Big Twelve. And here's the thing: is and he was a, he was a monster. I called him Deshaun Deshaun Westbrook. Whenever it was during the season, because he looks like so much like Deshaun Jackson. I mean, Bucky Brooks thinks he's a Deshaun Jackson. Yeah, I, I mean, to keep quoting Bucky Brooks, but you know, this is somebody we see on the circuit, <laughs> yeah. and he's got a respectable well, he's opinion. A, he's, he's at all the pro days, and he talks to a shitload of scouts. Yeah, uh, but here's the thing: I don't think he's taking into account his. For one, D.D. Westbrook has done nothing during this process to silence any doubters or any critics about his all of his previous um mis misdoings and uh, his kind of Tyreek Hill like background that was a number of different circumstances and god damn Bob Stoops just bringing these idiots to the to oh you know to OU not worrying about all the innocent girls that happen to walk around there when does Stoops when does he run his course uh well it seems like it's probably happened a couple times and then he's just managed to pull his way out of it but I mean, he's to the point now to where he says, I couldn't have, I couldn't bring D.D. Westbrook or Joe Mixon to this football team, you know. Now, and even before then, dude, it was these other, like, 
even before then, there were just, you know, so many of these other dudes with similar, I mean. What do you think? Is Westbrook a hell of a football player or not? I think he is, man. But uh, here, here, here's what I got worried about. He's going to beat you. on. He's going to kill you on a deep post. He's going to absolutely murder you on a nine route. But we haven't seen anything from him through this process. Uh, during the – I don't even know if he ran wide receiver drills. Is he even on our scorecard from the combine? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look that up right now. I, I, I th- and so, like, I'm, I'm not even sure what he did. I'll look up and see what his combine measurables were. But I'm not sure he ran drills. And you know what? Through this whole process, we've heard about – We've heard little rumors and little whispers that he was absolutely awful in his interviews and that people kind of think that he's a weird kid and all this stuff like that. He's been horrible through this process. I think if you're looking at pure skill alone, yes, I think he has a skill set that can lend itself to being a player in the mold of a Deshaun Jackson, but not everybody's a Deshaun Jackson just because they're so fast. Westbrook was a DNP at the on-field drills for the wide receiver combine. Why? You see, why need doing things to try and see? At least Joe Mixon is having these camps. At least he's you know he's partici- he's participating in the things that will allow him. I think to Westbrook participate. had a pretty good pro day. I think he, he didn't do, good- He didn't participate in anything at the entire combine. I don't care. Look, I, look. Maybe I'm being a you know the the guy that's the old crotchety scout that we keep complaining about. But here here's the thing. I, I don't. I don't like the way he's handled his process. I don't like the way he's handled his business. If he gets to the NFL and he turns out to be a Deshaun Jackson, I'll have to eat my words and you know, we'll have to get on to him and in Dynasty and get on to him. And, you know, we're very quick to change our tune once we see these guys at the NFL level and we got to say, oh, shit, we were, you know, we were wrong about that guy. I, I, not to say that we're wrong about Didi because it looks like you have him ranked in your top six. I don't know how Mike Band's going to treat him. I don't know how Trashman's going to treat him. For me, it's impossible to get him into the top 10 with all the other wide receivers that I really love in this draft. Uh, that's I, what I'm saying. It's just it's a log jam. You're getting, a log there's jam. 12, 13, there's 15 receivers we like. There Having are. a guy ranked at 14 does not mean that we don't like him. That's our top 10. Speaking of, it's John Ross, Mike Williams, Corey Davis, Zay Jones, Cooper Cup, Carlos Henderson, Juju Smith-Schuster, Malachi Dupree, Josh Reynolds, and D.D. Westbrook. And then Chris Godwin, <laughs> he would be number ten if it were up to me. Yeah, well, I still have to get, <laughs> I, I still have to to finalize my rankings on right. Godwin. And the guy I'm concerned that didn't crack the top ten for me uh, is Curtis Samuel out of Ohio State. Kind of just my overall takeaway from that was there sure aren't very many Tyree kills in this world. Hoping for that feels like recency bias to me. And while he measures much closer. To Percy Harvin, as far as stature, I was actually very surprised to see that because I think on tape he plays more like Chris Rainey, and I don't love that. I don't. I will. No, I, I certainly don't love anything when it involves the name Chris Rainey. That brings an end to episode eighteen of the Roster Watch podcast, brought to you by RosterWatch.com. Go to RosterWatch.com, get a pro membership, check out all of the pro tools that are up now for download. Go give us a five-star rating. Go give us a good review in iTunes. For Byron Lambert, I am Alex Dunlap. This is the Roster Watch podcast, brought to you by RosterWatch.com. We will see you next time. <laughs>